0: Hello and welcome to part two of our Big 10 season preview series. Um, Thanks to all of you who joined in and listened to part one where we talked about the bottom seven teams in the conference. Uh, This one should be a lot more interesting as we we talk about the the top seven teams in the conference. Uh, Brett, uh, anything you want to say about the top seven teams in the conference before we jump in here.
1: Yeah, I, I I think that honestly more than any year in recent memory, there's not there's no clear favorite for sure. Uh or even like at least in my mind, I think I think if you read any national publications predictions list for for Big Ten, uh, there will be a very clear favorite and we'll get into that. But um I really think like these these seven teams, even you know, if you if you drop down a couple, like they could be all over the place in terms of of how they finish. And I think that's what's going to make this this Big Ten season, even though it's not as heavy on star power as it has been in previous years, I think it'll make it all the more interesting as the especially as the calendar flips to twenty
0: twenty three. I don't know that I completely agree with a, a few of those things that you said, but we'll we'll leave that to to the debate that's about to ensue for
1: that's that's why we're here Steve.
0: That's why we're here. So um so uh as always hope you enjoy disclaimer these are these are our opinions. Um, they're not uh, the Bible or law so take them take them as you wish. But with that we'll we'll jump right in and, and pick back up where we left off last episode. Um so slotting in at number seven in our poll is the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Um, Rutgers had a had a wild season last year. You know, they, they lose Ron Harper Jr. They lose Geo Baker, but, you know, actually re- return a number of key pieces from from that team last year that um, that really hung tight in the in, in the in the Big Ten. Um, I believe Brett, correct me if I'm wrong, but they were, the, they were the fourth seed in the conference tournament when all the tiebreakers uh, slotted themselves out. I,
1: Yes, they were. they
0: were. Yeah, so, I mean, just to finish fourth in the regular season of the conference, I think that's probably the highest they've ever finished so long as they've been in the Big Ten. But, you know, as far as how their team looks this year, one of the biggest wild cards, I think, really in the conference is, is Paul Mulcahy. I mean, he, he, can, he can do a lot from a ball handling perspective. He's a pest defensively. Uh, he can... Kind of shoot. And he's he's really just one of those like classic Big Ten, you know, Aaron Kraft type, you know, dudes that feels like he's always making winning plays at the right time. You know, so he's he sort of spearheads an offense that it will include Caleb, Caleb McConnell, Malwat Mog, and, and Rudy, all guys that, you know, played meaningful minutes for them last year. The loss of Harper and Baker are going to hurt their ability to manufacture one-on-one offense. But I I still think like th- this team's identity is going to be on the defensive end. They're going to, th- they're going to grind out points. They're going to be really, really tough at home. And they're going to make teams really, really uncomfortable on the defensive end.
1: Yeah. So you mentioned Mulcahy first. And I think that the turning point in their season offensively was when, they let Mulcahy handle, handle the ball more um, and kind of played Geo Baker off ball. And Mulcahy's got some really impressive passing vision that I, I don't really know was part of his game for for a while. So I think that him kind of being more in control of the offense uh, from the start will, will be good at kind of establishing some sort of offensive identity for Rutgers. But with that in mind, yeah, this team is going to be— Annoying as hell to play uh, play offense against. I mean, you've got Mulcahy. McConnell is probably the one of the best, or is definitely one of the best defenders in the conference, and has a more has an evolving offensive game. And Omaru really brings a level of athleticism um, that that a lot of bigs in the conference uh, had issues with dealing with. Dealing with. So if, if he's a great as a role man and he's a beast on the boards, so I think that you know you've got. In addition to bringing Cam Spencer in from from Loyola, Maryland, you've got a really solid starting five that that should give teams hell. So, yeah, I think I think and like you said, you know, there's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of evidence now that that Steve Peichel really knows what he's doing with this team. And so I I I trust him to make them competitive. Um, But again, I think I think as we've kind of seen with a lot of these guys, like depth is still going to be a bit of an issue.
0: Yeah, and the, the theme that I think is emerging, yeah. too, as we go through this is, is offense on some of these, even on some of the better Big Ten teams, offense might not be super pretty this year. Uh, so, you know, that might make the product a little bit tough to watch. But, you know, none of us that are Big Ten fans are, are here to watch offense. So uh, this is long with the case.
1: Yes, exactly. Uh and so, with that in mind, uh speaking of offense potentially being an issue, the Purdue Boilermakers are up next coming in at number 6 in our preview. Um obviously the big the big ones you lose Jaden Ivey to the NBA, you lose Travion Williams, you lose Sasha Stefanović, you lose Eric Hunter. And I think a, a never-ending debate on our on our podcast is the efficacy of Matt Painter as a coach. Um but I think that there's a lot of experience on this team, even though you know it's, it's a bunch of guys that kind of were were bench players last year in you know, Brandon Newman, and Mason Gillis, and Caleb First, um, to go along with a couple highly touted recruits. Um, but where it's going to start and where it's going to end for Purdue is is seven 4 big man Zach Eady, who's I, just by virtue of his size uh, a, a load to handle in the post, uh, an obstacle on defense and. Has been slowly. He's you know he can knock down free throws, but I guess the big is he going to be able to play more minutes, uh, enough minutes to to kind of keep Purdue going this season because he's, he's always been able to split time with Trayvon Williams, and now he's kind of it out there.
0: I, I mean, you you'd hope so, right? Like, I mean, I know he's a you know he's he's not a normal sized human, but you know you you'd hope they get him conditioned enough. I mean, you know. I don't know. I think the his NBA limitations are obvious, but for him to be an effective professional player somewhere, he's he's going to have to play more minutes. And so I don't know, you know, you, you'd hope that's not an issue for Purdue zooming out. We have them taking a little bit of a step back, but honestly, we haven't taken a little bit of a step back just because, I mean, you know, Jaden Ivey was a game breaking player that they're not going to be able to replace. You know, you talk about Matt Painter and, he finds a way to, you know, it may not be pretty all the time and it may be filled with blunders, but this this team's always relevant, right? Like they're always in the mix for, you know, for a tournament spot and even conference titles um, in years when like you don't necessarily expect it. Now, I'm not saying this is a conference title team by any means, but, um, you know, they, they were a, a top 10, 15 team, you know, all throughout the year. Last year, and you know these these role players who may have not had big big roles last year, like a guy like Mason Gillis, I think is going to slot in and be a legitimate Big Ten starter. David Jenkins is interesting, you know, a guy who's played at three different schools already, who you know might be their starting point guard. You know, he was a moderately effective guy at Utah that averaged eight points last year. You know, there there are some there are some pieces here that I think you know make 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 this doable, but really what, what has me slotting Purdue higher than, you know, some of these others can we talked about is just Zach Edie. Um, even a little bit of an elevation of his game, you know, makes him one of the top five players in the conference.
1: And also in case you were wondering, in case anybody was wondering, uh, there is another seven foot two center on the roster named Wilberg, who is out of Sweden. So, you know, Matt painter still got the market cornered on, on large, large European big men. So I natural order is being restored to the universe. Uh, But I I do agree. I think like, I think Patriot does a lot of good work with teams like this, where there's not as much star power outside of ED, obviously. But I think there are a lot of really good players on this roster. And I think that's, if you have eight of those guys, that's enough to do some damage in the big 10.
0: Totally agree. Um, And so moving on to the team slotted in fifth, Right now in our poll, the Wisconsin Badgers uh, shared the regular season title with uh, Illinois last year. Um, had a had a really unexpectedly good um, regular season, spearheaded by the emergence of Donnie, Johnny Davis and 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 some unexpected contributions from their their big guys, guys like uh, guys like Bogue, and wall and crawl uh, and you know, Chucky Hepburn was, I think a surprise for a lot of people at at point guard as well. They they got a lot of things to go right. The stars to align last year, tough out in the NCAA tournament um, in the second round to Iowa state last year. Uh, But again, Johnny Davis kind of got hurt at the end of the year last year. Didn't really look look the same for those last as he'd looked for most of the season, those last couple of weeks, he's, he's no longer there. You know Brad Davidson, who seemingly spent um, seven years at Wisconsin, is also no longer there. But you know you got you got Chucky Hepburn, you know primed to you know make a a big jump this year coming back. You still got Tyler Wall and Stephen Crowell, you know, Jordan Davis, uh, Johnny's brother um, will, will likely slot in as a starter. There, there really isn't very much talent on this team, but. Greg guard's proven that he's a good coach. They play the same style that they played under Bo Ryan. And, you know, I, I just like, they're, they're going to be a a tough out. They're going to execute well at home. Um, And I think, you know, I personally have been burned in the past by overlooking teams like this. Um, And, and that's probably why, you know, they're slotted above teams like Purdue, Iowa and Ohio state. Brett, what are your thoughts on the Badgers?
1: So, yeah, I think the first thing that jumps out to you when you look at this this roster and this ranking is is what the hell, who's, who's scoring for this team? And I think that that's a very valid concern. I think you've got a really solid trio in in your Hepburn wall and crawl. Each one brings something different to the table. Um, but as you mentioned, I think Chucky Hepburn kind of came out of nowhere uh, for most Big Ten fans. He's going to really need to take a step up and handle more of the scoring load um, and be a little bit more consistent shooting the ball. Um, you know you're not getting any any outside shooting from Tyler Wall but he's got the ability to get to the hoop and and be an effective post scorer uh and and rebounder and and you want to see more offensive consistency from from Crow and, and the rest of the guys but yeah i mean it's it's you're losing a significant part of your of your offensive production and i think that's going to be it is are, is there going to be someone that can knock down threes uh and is there cuz they they shot I think like 31% from, from three last year, despite winning 25 games. And is there going to be, what is the depth going to look like? You've got, you, you've got guys, a lot of guys with power conference experience. Uh, you've got Jacoby Neath off the bench um, and you've got some, you've got, you know, guys that have at least, have at least been on that stage before. Um, and then you've got a couple other transfers, uh, Max Klesman from Wofford and Kamari McGee from green Bay, who are obviously going to see a significant uptick in, in level of competition. But as you said, I, you can't doubt Greg guard at this point. Um, and he's had, you know, we, I think we picked the badgers in, in seventh or eighth last year and, and they, they shared the conference title. So I, I don't see that coming again this year. Um, but I think that there'll be, there'll be a tournament team and, and be in play kind of in the, in the middle of the middle of the pack for, for, uh, the big, for the conference as a whole. Um, so I think again, potentially high variance outcomes. Um, but with a higher floor and, probably a, a lower ceiling or a higher or just a higher floor than than your Iowa's and and things like that all right so moving on we have now reached the double buy in the tournament portion of our season preview and slotting in at fourth um is the or are the Michigan State Spartans um and Again you might look at that and and see how they did last year with a 7th place finish in conference, uh second round loss to Duke in the tournament, on an 11 and 8 conference season, losing their high, losing Max Christie and Gabe Brown and say the you know, what are we doing here? Um but there are there's there there's a good recruiting class uh kind of two two top 80 guys in Jackson Kohler and and Trey Holloman uh and you still have a good amount of returning production. Um, I think the big issue as it's been I feel, for a lot of teams is where, what's going to happen inside. You've got Maddie Sissoko kind of as your center by default, because Julius Marble's gone, Marcus Bingham's gone and there's not really much else there, but you've still got Malik Hall. You've got Jaden Akins. You've got AJ Hagar. You've got Tyson Walker. You've got guys that have been there already and should be able to, to be a little bit more consistent, which I think was lacking from, from this team specifically last year.
0: Yeah, this is, this is really about roster continuity. The thing that struck me about Michigan state and, and really has struck me for, I mean, honestly, probably since Cassius Winston left is just the lack of star power uh, on, on this team. You know, like they've, they had a lot of good, you know, guys that would score eight to 12 points a game, but not no, no superstars (laughs) last year. I think that's, at the end of the day, what held them back? There was no one to take that big shot. I'm not saying they have that this year, but um, just with with the way the conference is shaping up, like that that might be enough. Um, you know, everyone was waiting for Joey Hauser, you know, to like emerge as the superstar. and I mean, you know, he's still there, and maybe just his level of experience and the fact that he's like a somewhat versatile scorer you know, turns him into that type of player. You know, I think same, same goes, you know, from Malik Hall. And I mean, I know the the Max Christie experience last year was, you know, a little bit all over the place, but, you know, it, maybe they get more consistency from Jackson Cole, you know, like top, top 50, you know, top 75 recruits, you know, figure it out at the end of the day, one way or another, even if it's not hill at the end of the year, um, Tom Izzo, you know, he, he does this every couple of years where, you know, yeah, yeah, you, you feel like he's sort of you know not had a great team in a while, and then all of a sudden he ambushes you out of nowhere. Um, I I think this might be the year just because of roster continuity.
1: Yeah, I think that's I think that's really fair. Um, and you, you know you've you've seen we've seen the Spartans kind of have up and down years, even with more top level talent. So I think just And especially in I think this specific year of the Big Ten, having seven guys that know how to play together will take you farther than, as as you've said, will take you farther than in in previous years. They've got a lot of big challenges on the roster in uh, in kind of the non-conference season. So I I think we're looking at, you know, they've got to play Gonzaga and Villanova basically back to back. So I think we're we're primed for a, a year, a few weeks of. You know, Michigan State doesn't have it this year before eventually Izzo gets them back on track. So I think that would be something to look for uh, if you're if you're a Spartans fan, not freak out too much initially.
0: So that that's that's the Spartans. We for our our number three team, we move across the state here to talk about the Michigan Wolverines. Um, And, you know, we we might get some flack for this again, just because, you know, we had Michigan last year ranked pretty high to start the season, and then they severely underperformed in the regular season last year, snuck into the tournament, made the Sweet 16. Kind of like the year before, I mean, there's a a lot of change with this Michigan team. Um, They lose Diabate and Caleb Houston. Both were second-round picks in the draft. They lose Devontae Jones. Um, Frankie Collins was kind of a surprising transfer out of the program. So, you know, all of a sudden you look up, their biggest win was getting Hunter Dickinson back, you know, and that—that's, you know, this this team's gonna go as far as as Hunter takes them, and he sort of proved last year, arguably with more talent around him than what he's probably gonna have this year, that you know he can put a team on his back, um, and and help them get wins when when they need to. So you know he'll be in the he'll be in the uh, mix for you know first team All Big Ten and potentially even Player of the Year. But really around that, I mean, when you look at that, again, they're likely going to start another transfer point guard in Jalen Mowellon mm-hmm. uh, coming in from the Ivy League. You know, they've got a good recruiting class again, but, you know, a lot of unproven guys. Terrence Williams probably starts in the starting lineup. Kobe Buffkin probably does, too. I mean, uh, th- this ranking is really about Hunter Dickinson um, and how far he takes this team.
1: Yeah. So to your, to your point, I mean, Dickinson's easily one of the best players, if not the best player in the conference as of right now. More than capable of of leading his team to wins. Would still like to see him be a little bit more consistent from outside shooting and a little bit more willing to do it. Uh, and also would like to see him better, like just more effective, effective at all on the defensive end uh, from a rim protection standpoint. Um, especially because I think this year rim protection is gonna be pretty. nice. I think we're gonna see a lot of a lot of for the best teams will have their best players coming from the wings and attacking the basket. So I think that will be necessary. But I think, I think this year is this year ends up sort of being a referendum on Jawan Howard's coaching ability. I think like you have a very a highly rated recruiting class and one of the best players in the conference. And can you develop guys like Terrence Williams? Can you develop, can you develop uh Kobe Bufkin who, you know, they're talented guys haven't seen the floor maybe as much as you, they would have liked. And then I think I'm also intrigued to see, you know, it's the third straight year. Correct me if I'm wrong, of a transfer point guard uh, after Mike Smith and and Devonte Jones and Jalen Wellens got the scoring prowess uh, coming from from a strong Princeton program where I think he averaged 18 points a game and and uh, shot well from three last year, but it took it took Devonte Jones a while to kind of get it last year, and then he did it and sort of unlocked a higher potential for for this Michigan offense, and I think it's going to come down to that because you Michigan needs of the point guard to be playing well, um, given the relative inexperience of kind of the rest of this team. Uh, and you're, you're going to need the guys that have experience to step up at the beginning of the season.
0: Yeah. And again, it'll, you know, it's the second straight year where Jawan Howard brings in a, a strong recruiting class, but I think, as is the case across college basketball, you know, he's really the one coach in the conference that's, you know, trying to man it, really, and going all in on on putting a lot of his eggs in the recruiting basket. And, you know, yeah, lots of other schools in the conference, you know, are have are dealing with lots of departures, but. I think this is not so much a referendum on his coaching ability, but I think we're seeing lots of other coaches that can't make this work. Um, and so, you know, we'll, we'll see how Jawan Howard manages it. He, he really did kind of get lucky that Dickinson stayed. Um, and so, you know, that raises the floor for this team, but the ceiling's really determinant on how these recruits hit because with, if they just sort of, slot in Llewellyn Williams and Bufkin you know, and maybe one of the recruits like I, I don't know that you know they, they're really going to need like Terrace Reed or you know even this like Yusuf Kayat guy to to hit if they're really gonna you know win a lot of games in tournaments this year yeah
1: yeah I mean I, and I think the 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 Piece that the, the the final piece of the starting lineup I would at least assume at this point is Jet Howard and he brings a lot of really interesting things to the table. His high school film is really impressive, um, but you know it's as we've seen with numerous other highly rated recruits across the Big Ten, it's hard to get adjusted to 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 this conference and its playing style um, and college basketball in general. Like you know I think to, to Michigan's point we saw that with Caleb Houston last year. Um, who struggled for a decent part of the season and then, and then things started clicking towards the end of the year. So I think Michigan has less of a room for less room for error at the beginning of the year this year, I would say, but still should have enough talent to compete for a conference title and, and a deep run in the NCAA tournament. All right. So now we are down to our top two and we will begin with our number two predicted Indiana Hoosiers. Um, And this, this team is going to be good. I there's, but Indiana, did you, did you you know that the last time that Indiana has won 10 conference games was 2015, 2016? I do now. Yeah. And you know, it's not a rough, obviously that has nothing to do with this team, but it's, you're bringing back pretty much the same core of guys, uh, minus an underachieving Parker Stewart and, and Rob fantasy, who's kind of petered out, uh, Indiana wise. Um, they finished nine and eleven in the conference last year. They made they didn't make it they made it out of the first four. Um, and I would say for Mike Woodson, that's a good that's like a solid first year, I think, kind of especially what he was walking into. But I mean, I'm not really sure. Trish Jackson Davis, very good college player. I'm not sure how much better he can get in terms of, of expanding his game. Um and so you're really relying on Xavier Johnson becoming more consistent and you're counting on either Jalen Huchifino, Malik Reno, or, or Caleb Banks to really come in and be effective from day one. But you still have a lot of depth. Um, even if Hood Shafino starts, you've still got four other guys in that starting lineup with significant Big Ten experience. And uh, as we've said, I think that counts for a lot. And you've, these guys are all pretty skilled and know how to play their roles very, very well.
0: As, as you just mentioned, I think the argument with this team is all based on roster continuity. You know, at the end of the day, they're going to have four guys that were pretty big contributors returning, um, you know, including in, in Jackson Davis, you know, one of the best players in the conference and Xavier Johnson, probably one of the players with the most potential for like a jump from last year. Um, and, and, And that, you know, that, that might be enough to make you a top 14 in the conference this year. Race Thompson also, I mean, really, you know, he can, he can shoot threes. He can rebound, you know, really good on the offensive glass. He's kind of a, a do-everything, like, utility, scrappy guy. You know, I, I think he's going to have a big year. Uh, you know, Miller Kopp, I think, is going to get a lot of open, you know, threes. And you know, hopefully he gets the volume that he needs to feel comfortable and then you never know with any of these big recruits, if they get rolling at Indiana, you know, um, it is a little bit scary. No one knows how good of a coach Mike Woodson is. Um, and it, hard to lose, use last year as an evaluation point just because of what he was stepping into. And, you know, he's trying to set the culture there. But I, I really think that, again, in comparison to every other roster, there are, there are the least amount of holes here, maybe other than the team that we're about to talk about after this. Um and, and it's almost by default that you have to put them in the top two because of that.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think I think something worth noting is that, you know, we talked a lot about Indiana's offensive struggles last year and kind of their willingness to go away from Jackson Davis when they really, really shouldn't have. This was a really, really good defensive team last year. They were top twenty five in, in defensive efficiency per Ken Palm and really showed the ability to put the clamps on, especially, you know, with an undersized front court. I mean, Jackson Davis is maybe six ten. Maybe and Thompson is six eight and that's their four and their five and the post defense was incredible. I I really was impressed. They were able to get out and attack. Uh, you know, have a good good defense, especially uh on the wings as well. And so I think, like you said, the roster continuity continuity in a defensive system like that is is extremely helpful. They oh man, they were not a good shooting. T- they were they they shot thirty three percent from three last year and. You know, if you want if you want to win, you're gonna to have to find people to make those shots. And losing park losing a volume three point shooter in Parker Stewart does hurt. Um, but you know Xavier Johnson kind of came along shooting the ball last year, and and uh, Miller Kopp has the ability. And and you'd think one of the freshmen would be able to to step in and at least knock down open shots, which would make this team a lot more dangerous come come big, especially conference season.
0: So the final team that we're gonna talk about here um, are our number one team. And as we conclude the, the preview are the Illinois flight fighting Illini. Um, to, to me, there's not much debate about this in my head uh, for, for a couple reasons. Really? When you think about it, Kofi was you know, one of the best players in the, the conference last year, you know, and, and just you know, losing him, uh, I think is, is enough would, would be enough. I think to make most um, Illini fans, uncomfortable. And then when you talk about all the role players that they lost to with, you know, Curbelo, Frazier, Plummer, you know, th- th- uh, Brad Underwood had a big undertaking under him. I feel like I've said the word under three times uh, in terms of constructing this roster backup, but he patched it up with flying colors. So first of all, you know, Melendez and, and Goody, I think are going to be two really, really effective players for them this year. But Bringing in a, a top recruit in Sky Clark, really out of nowhere, you know, it was a huge surprise that they got them. Getting impact transfers in, in Terrence Shannon and Matthew Mayer. I mean, you know, both these guys are double-digit scorers on – I mean, Matthew Matthew Mayer won a national championship. Like, they, they now you – know, so their roster looks great, but they also they, – they finally have a Brad Underwood-type roster, where they can get out and run and they're not going to be slowed down by um, Kofi, which is a great problem for him to have. But, I mean, we're really going to see Brad Underwood basketball this year, and I, I, I think it's going to be scary. To me, the question with this team, as has persisted over the last couple of years with Brad Underwood, is when it matters the most, can they figure it out? And the answer to that question has been a resounding no under Brad Underwood. They still haven't made a Sweet 16, and at times last year they just looked disorganized and confused when they needed to make a big shot. It didn't matter; they still won the Big Ten title. Uh, but I would be really, really excited if I were an Illinois fan. But I, I would not trust Brad Underwood, you know, going into an NCAA tournament game. How do you feel about the Illini, Brett?
1: I, yeah, I think you've you've pretty much hit all the boxes I wanted. Um, this team is I think I think the big thing is going to be watching Underwood's coaching style and offense shift from kind of dump it into Kofi and everyone runs around and tries to get open and tries to knock down an open three. Like you said, I think this team is going to run. They've got an athletic po- freshman point guard in in Sky Clark, M- uh, Melendez and Shannon and my and Matthew Mayer are all crazy athletic um, and capable and not only that of, of running in transition, but also capable of guarding at least three positions on, on defense. And I think that's where you're going to see them give a lot of teams trouble is, is with extreme switchability on the defensive end. I will, I think the, the potential hole is uh, Coleman Hawkins at, at the five. Um, the dude has a ton of talent. The dude also might make some of the dumbest plays I've seen on a basketball court outside of Andre Carbello. And if he can just calm down a little bit and let the game come to him more, that just adds an extra dimension for for the Illini. And I think that the versatility defensively will also pay dividends in the in the NCAA tournament when you're dealing with fewer like big guys and, and you know there's a lot more athletic wings and, and guys like that um, that are that are making plays. Like like with everyone else, I, I think that there will be some bumps in the road for the for, for the freshmen. But getting like you said, impact transfers that have big game experience, Big Twelve experience in Shannon and Mayer are are is is going to be helpful for kind of managing some of those bumps in the road. Um, I do want to know if Mayer still has his mullet though.
0: I don't think there's anything better to end on than that. So <laughs> we're 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 gonna wrap our preview uh, on that. Uh, we hope you have all enjoyed the. Uh, multi-episode season preview. We've got one more um, coming for you soon um, in terms of our awards predictions, but you know we're really looking forward to getting the season um, started here in, in early November. And again, thank you all for, for tuning in.